All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, assalamu alaikum, shalom, and shanti, and peace to each and every one of you. Welcome to our fifth episode of the One Love Podcast with my amazing co-host, Julian, Chaplain Julian. And today we have a headliner guest all the way from the East Coast, Mountain. Uh, Rahim is in the house, Jonathan, Jonathan Wambol. And I know, I know this kid from way back inside how he used to rap and he used to come and pray Juma and he always wanted to look nice when he dressed up with his either his uh, long robe or his oh, nice suit and today he's looking real dapper. Uh, I want to say congratulations to you Rahim for your awesome your awesome journey where you, you recently got a, your firstborn, the beautiful baby and uh, congratulations to all the great things you have done out in the East. So welcome, and uh, I will begin by asking you uh, <clears throat> to share a little bit about your childhood so we can have a little insight into what your life was like as you made your journey onwards into incarceration and then reintegrating into society. <clears throat> okay. Walaikum as-salam rahmatullahi Thank you very much for the kind words, Habib. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast today, guys. I appreciate it. Um, my name is Abdullah Rahim. And uh, okay, so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about my childhood. Um, like growing up, I was, I was the child of four. I have three, I have two brothers and a sister. And uh, I'm the one child that has both biological parents out of all my siblings. So each one of my brothers and sisters have a different father, a different sister. Um, my parents, they had a really rough, I don't know, rough patch. Uh, kind of when I was about nine years old, my parents divorced. Um, we lived in like a really nice six bedroom house on the beach stuff like that um they ran their own business uh like growing up i had a really good childhood and then just out of nowhere my grandfather got sick and my grandfather was the closest person that that i had in my life and uh he was just taken and then he died of cancer and then this was my father's father so my father he he, he crumbled after that and he turned to crack cocaine. And a few months after this happened, my brother was diagnosed with leukemia. So there was a lot going on. My parents were just kind of managing to hold the, the business together. My father was having this really expensive drug habit and like, it just it was very hard for my mom to be in the hospital with my with my brother and to be playing mommy and just being the glue of the family you know so that's kind of a little bit of of my insight from like probably about up until 12 and then i don't know like i kind of i kind of slayed away from this whole school scene and stuff like that i was really bad in school and um all my teachers and everybody really wanted to give me not even a second chance. Everybody wanted to give me a fifth chance 
because somebody like everybody's seen the potential that I had. Wow, wow, and wow. and and everybody was like, no, we're not we're not going to let this guy escape from us. You know, we're going to give him another chance. He messes up all the time, but we're going to give him another chance. This is where my teacher's. Sorry to interrupt. Where were you living at that time? Were you in the East Coast or is this? In yeah, I was at the time I was in Halifax, okay. uh, Nova Scotia. Well, actually, Dartmouth. I was in Dartmouth at the time. So a smaller community. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically up until I was 12. And then I ended up meeting like a, a really older group. So by the time I was like maybe like 13, I really, things really escalated for me. Um, I was hanging out with people that really took advantage of me and used my youth as a tool for, for what they were trying to do. So I was a pawn in somebody else's chess game. I ended up getting caught up in like a really bad lifestyle, drug wars and everything else. Hang I was 15 years old hanging out with 35 year old men. Mm. Like it was very hard. You did not have your best interest at heart. No, definitely not. Like in in these people, I watched them literally they would throw their hands like around their friends and act like they're buddies, but then they would go and punch their head off because they owed them drug money. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's a really, it's a dog eat dog world. And I started to, to feed off this energy, like, cause kids, their youth are very, you have to be very uh, cautious what you do with the youth. Right. Cause the youth, they absorb things. Right. Yeah, the memory of a, the the memory of a of a younger person it it's fresher than 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 the older than the elderly person or whatever right so all these things that I have gone through or whatever they have kind of stuck with me and I don't know like even to this day I'm still kind of dealing with the aftermath and the trauma and everything from from my childhood but so how you're dealing I, with that? I, I overcome it by just thinking about the good. The glass isn't half empty. It's half full, right? right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think about the good that I have. I think, okay, I have a wife. I have a wife who cares about me. And the best thing in life is knowing that, like, for me as a Muslim man, the best thing that I know, especially as a revert, is knowing that at the end of the day, I have a wife that wants me to stay on my dean and and do what's good for me and for her and our daughter and that just that right there is enough for me to motivate me just to to keep clean and just do what i have That's to do incredible. to take care of my family how did you find that. islam can you maybe share a little bit about that because obviously whenever you're a youth you, you were not following it um, no and so, now it's 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 your it's part of it's a huge part of your identity and so how yeah. that happens so uh even when i was like 15 i ran a i ran a tattoo shop when i was 15 <clears throat> and i wasn't really into christianity or anything like that at the time but i got all these tattoos you know like i have a tattoo of jesus um on my on my stomach i have mother mary on on my chest and I think I was going through so much in my life at that time 
I didn't really understand what I was looking for, but I knew I was looking for something. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like, I didn't really know how I felt about just life in general. But I know when I ended up in the penitentiary, <clears throat> um, I was I was still a young man. I was just 20 years old and I did a robbery <clears throat> and um, I'm, I was I was in the pimp game. I was in the pimp game for for a little while. And basically, that's what I ended up robbing somebody in a hotel and they gave me four years. I went to jail because I stole four hundred ninety dollars. So the judge gave me four years for for that. So I went and I did some time down here and then eventually I ended up getting shipped out to Toronto. And when I arrived to uh, to Workworth, I met a good brother named Rayon and Rayon didn't even really his approach to me with Islam wasn't even intentional. It was just. I see, and he's a revert too. He's not a born Muslim. So I seen the character that this guy had. And there's not really too many young people that you meet with a good head on their shoulders. Like you really know when you meet a good young person and they can talk with good etiquette and character, all these good things that really build a good person, right? So I seen that in him and I was very intrigued. And I said like, where does this come from? And he told me, brother, this is Islam. This is what Islam is about, right? So we began the talk and a couple hours went by, like five hours went by and we were still sitting in the cell talking about Islam. And it felt like I went to my, to my cell that night and I went to sleep and it, and it felt like I had a dream about every religion. And then I just woke up and I was like, all right, you know what? I want to I want to learn uh, Surah Al-Fatiha. I want to go with you for Juma. I want to go and I want to see how things are done. I want to be uh, a, a witness in the community and see what's really happening. And and I seen that. But first, just off the top, what did it for me was seeing this man's character. And he and he even told me he's like. I love I love a lot more than my own son. I never understood that. But I do, I do right now, but I didn't understand that at the time because I've never heard anything like that. I've only been surrounded by selfishness. I've only been surrounded by people that want to take, people that just, they think for themselves. So <clears throat> when I started to come to, to Juma and I started to hang around to the, the Muslim brothers, I really felt this different kind of, it's pure. It's different. Like, I feel like when you go to, say, a third world country, them people, they'll have a, a, a grain of, of rice. They'll split it in half with you. They will split their gr- half a grain of rice with you because they are so kind-hearted. These, mm-hmm. these people that are born in third world countries, they're really pure in the heart. <clears throat> and I don't know. I feel like sometimes people over here are a bit hardened or whatever. But I felt that when I was inside. Because Somalians and all these other people from... Libya, just, you know, everybody from every different corner of the country, they're all in this one place. But, but Rahim, you can also say the same thing in the prison, that you have Christians, you have Jews, you have Hindus. Yeah, very kind people, from, people from all over, mm-hmm. that, that from every corner, they're all very kind people, yes. But 
sometimes tough, tough situations will, will soften uh, somebody's heart and soul, and that will make them more kind, caring, and generous, right? Yeah, no, I think what I'm hearing you say is, is um, that you, you saw somebody living out their faith instead of trying to yeah. do a religion. Yeah. Right. And so it was that yeah. way of that way of life, um, which which spoke to you, which was which was you know God drawing yeah. you to Him, um, yeah, through that and saying you know there's there's a better way, and I think that's that's beautiful, right? Yeah. Man made. We we get caught up in religion and the rules. And, and believe and believe stuff. me, I'm I'm an ex pimp. Yeah. I'm an ex pimp. There's there's not there's no game that can be sold to me that I can't. You can sell it to me for, and I'm going, I'm selling it times it. 10, right? So I'm, that's what I used to do, right? So there's nothing that can really be sold to me. The wool's already been pulled over my eyes. I already, I already seen you coming in my dreams, right? So for, for me to take something in, just, it's, it's really, <clears throat> like everybody tells me how lucky I am because <clears throat> they're like, yo, you're so lucky because you found the dean and like i even feel like my parents they're like okay like you know kind of half whatever right but they're like he's better than before he's better. <laughs> listen just chill out he's better than before yeah right so, it's, so you, had it's any, really... you had any difficulties in sharing that news with your family your friends mm, not really but there's there's just, I don't know. I feel like there's, there is certain things that are borders. Like, uh, for me having, uh, the first hijabi, mashallah, the first hijabi, uh, girl on my side of the family. I mean, just think about what kind of struggles she's going to have to go through. Cause my family, they, they eat pork, they drink, right. They listen. Right. So these are all like, when okay, when I took my shahada, Rayon said, "Listen, brother, you have a family. You can love them from a distance. You don't have to go, and you don't have to go right back to, when you go and you you get out of jail. You don't have to go right back to where you just came from. You, you're here for a reason. Mm -hmm. So whatever you were surrounded around, or whatever, if you were around your mom and your dad and whoever, and this all this still happened, but." It's you should be in a community where you should be embarrassed. Like if if I'm in a community, say like for me, like if I'm in the Muslim community, I'm not going to step outside on my on my porch and smoke a joint. I'm not going to do that because I'm going to be looked down upon and I'm going to be embarrassed. Even if I have to do that for a medical reason, even if it's excused, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to be embarrassed and everything else. Right. So lovely. Is, Rahim, is, is I want you to say Muslim community and where you live now there there is yeah there's a pretty, decent... pretty Christian no huh like, have you experienced any Islamophobia since you have converted do you get do you get any people maybe saying insensitive comments I've pre I've, I honestly I've created a pretty big platform for myself and I get like I get a lot of love honestly big shout out to like all my fans and supporters I get a lot of love but there's also a lot of hate there, but I don't even pay attention to it, to be honest with you. Cause like I said, the glass is half full, right? It's not half empty. Mm -hmm. Raheem, I really appreciate you speaking with us. Our time is almost coming to an end, but 
there are two other points I would like you to articulate. And one, one of them is like, how did your faith help you to overcome your struggles and challenges whilst you were incarcerated? Well, how, we, long, well, how I, long were you incarcerated um, before you encountered Ricky? Like how, was it early in your incarceration? And then you were- No, it was, it was kind of like a little, a little bit past like maybe a third into my sentence. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what was, what was your question there, Habib? How did your faith help you overcome your challenges while you were incarcerated? <laughs> well, us as Muslims, we have, we have a thing called taqwa and, and iman, right? So your taqwa is your, your strength, your, your belief, your, if you, if you're in a state of taqwa, you're, you're in a state of fear of Allah. So basically that's, and it's not easy, like, to be Muslim in, in prison ain't easy. And especially to be Muslim in the hood, it ain't easy because there's struggles everywhere. Everywhere as you look around you. And especially if you're in prison and you're trying to be on your dean and you have a friend, he's going through something and he's having problems and somebody has to get stabbed and whatever. It's, it's just, it's a very chaotic uh, political system that, nobody will ever understand and it's just the way that everything is designed and for me like it was very hard in order to 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 stay on my dean because the people that you are surrounded in you can't put 10 people in a box and then say oh you go over here and you go over here there's only four corners in a box so wow. you lived you lived that uh you live that life and you have that experience. Now, there's a cliche that finding love in prison is a cliche. But in your case, you have a different story of finding love. I have in a different prison. story. Yes, I do. Alhamdulillah. So tell us, what was it like? How it happened? Okay, so I ended up, before, before I went to prison, um, I ended up meeting a sister through. Uh, like a mutual friend and just I ended up talking to the sister like just a few times and I ended up going to jail <clears throat> and I ended up losing her phone number long story short I ended up finding her phone number and I'm in jail I'm incarcerated I'm in the whole segregation for three months and I'm just rock bottom down in the dumps and I said you know what let me try and call this sister so I called the sister and uh, she answered a couple months later and uh, like she she was shocked that I called her because she me and her hit it off pretty good. Then she was shocked that I disappeared. She said, OK, well, if this guy's serious, why did he disappear on me? So I had to pop up and in segregation, you can only use the phone at a certain time of the day. So I called her and I said, um, how are you doing? She said, you know, I'm just at school. Is there any way that you can call me back? And I lied to her knowing that I couldn't call her back because I didn't want to tell her, you know, I'm in prison. I didn't want to, I wanted time to, to tell the sister. So um, I ended up calling her back the next day and I told her, well, Lahi, she was so accepting and she just, she just embraced me like, 
mashallah, may Allah be pleased with her for this because it ain't mm. it ain't easy for her. But our our love story, it's it's very it's very different. The way that we met and we still we still had that strength, that bond between us. I, I still managed to call her every day. It's very hard to keep a relationship behind prison wall, behind prison walls. And, the, it, it, and it's also expensive. It's, it can be very expensive. So yeah, they'll, me and her, me and her, money off that. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. If, if, if I could be an investor, I would I would buy four four pay phones and I'd put them on each unit in in the jail, <laughs> and that would be my investment. Yeah, wonderful. I will go back to Julianne. I wanted I would like Julianne to give us some reflections from her from her ministry and her Bible studies. As Sounds to, good. As to what Rahim has shared with us today, and then I will call Rahim for some parting words of advice. So all the youths that will be listening to this podcast or sharing it through a second medium, hopefully that can find some inspiration for Rahim's story from childhood, childhood. Um, ended up in trouble, uh, leaving school out in Halifax and then getting incarcerated all the way out in Ontario. And I'm privileged and honored that I was able to meet with him inside prison and for him today to be a successful father, a loving, a loving Husband, husband, yeah, happy, happy Valentine, uh, <laughs> <laughs> happy, uh, loving, lo lo loving uh, husband, and yeah. of course, now he's an entrepreneur that is successful. He in, uh, reintegrated in the east coast of Canada. Over to you, Julian. That's beautiful. I mean, it's it's the, the story, the redeeming of Raheem, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and um. No, honestly, so like, many threads to pull together. You mentioned that you were involved in the, in in the, you know, some illustrious, not so great things about your past, and now you have a daughter who I'm sure you adore. Um, yeah, and uh, so God, God will soften your heart, and and there will be healing in that. And I hope that um, yeah. you know you have forgiven yourself for the mistakes that you've made in the past. Yeah, um, because it's it's moving forward, right? And you will, use yeah, that, like you mentioned, having a platform and using your your past um, to sort of speak to speak hope into the lives of people. That you know what people yeah. can change. People yeah. can change if they're surrounded by maybe it's because it's Valentine's Day, but it's love, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, your your friend in the cell. That that five hour conversation that was. That was love. That was him. Yeah, it really was. And that's the best thing. And it's not even really about religion. It's just about just being pure in the heart and inviting somebody to something that isn't going to hurt you. That is just like, because I've never really had a friend that I could just sit down and, and have a normal conversation with. Like, just everything before... It's like trying to reprogram your brain. You've lived like this for 21 years. Now, bam, here's your new way of life and just indulge, <laughs> right? So, I mean, when I took my Shahada, uh, Habib, do you remember what you told me when, when, when I reverted to Islam? Do you remember? Said, uh, yeah. You said, God has forgiven you for your sins, but you still have to do your sentence. Mm. Mm. <laughs> 
you have to do the time yeah yeah oh so we we are constantly in a in a divine cooperation with Thank god you. and yeah he is amazing and he can do wonderful things um but we have to do yeah. our part too right and and what yeah. if that is that he invites us to join along with him in that and yeah. so yeah you know what he has forgiven you but he's wants you to do something moving forward yeah right? exactly and, exactly and use, use that knowledge and you know we often one of the questions we've asked on our previous um podcasts has been if you could go back and say something to your younger self what would you say and picking up on some of the things you've said i've realized it's it's not just our words that we say to our youth that matter it's yeah uh, it's what it's how we live right yeah and, and the reason why you went to islam is not because of what somebody said to you it's how they live the reason yeah. why you were involved in the things that you were involved in, like you said, you were surrounded by by folks who were saying one thing and doing another, and your young yeah. mind sucked in what they were doing, right? Yeah. Um, so and I think it's important that we are living lives of, of honor and dignity and respect, and um, you gotta you gotta walk it before you talk it, right? Yeah, like exactly. Go to youth and be like, oh, you gotta work hard and you gotta you know be kind to people, and then you turn around and you're you're being dishonest and 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 being deceitful and being lazy. Exactly. You see that, right? Actions exactly in words. So yeah, thank you for for reminding thank you, that. Julian, Justin, Julian, the amazing co-host of the One Love Podcast on our fifth episode. And ladies and gentlemen, brothers, wherever you are, you're listening to Jonathan Wambos, known as Rahim. And today's podcast is named Redeem of Rahim. <laughs> a life that is worth living and sharing. And you have the final words, my brother. What would you say if you have to, right now, a young man or a young woman is in trouble and they're stubborn and obstinate and not listening, what you would say to them? And can you also share a Quran verse that really gives you encouragement when you need it? Um, I always, I'm always saying Surah Al-Fatiha. Just, it always puts me in a good mood. Like, I find it very calming. So that and, huh? Can we hear it? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Alameen. Ahrahmanirrahim. Maliki Yomidin. Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka nasta'in. Ehdina sirato mustaqin. Sirato latina namta lehim. Wairil makdubi alayhim. Muladolin. Amin. Amin. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you. You're welcome. Good. So that's it. Yeah, go ahead. Well, words of what he would tell the youth. My advice towards the youth would be just your your investment in the world should be your youth so your youth right now is the most important years of your life because i really wish i had a mentor in my life i'm not even talking about when i was 12 i'm talking about when i was when i was 5 when i was 7 because i was bad right from the jump as soon as i got on my feet i was bad and i really wish I had somebody in my life, a hood mentor. I'm going to call it a hood mentor. I wish I had somebody that, that, that told me that, oh, you can do this, but don't do that. Or, or if you do this, you're going to have repercussions later on down in life because 
the decisions that you didn't think about when you made you when you were 15. Now you're going to you can't you can't even go anywhere without having a look over your shoulder or because you were 17 and you made a series of choices. You can't have a family anymore because you're going to be selfish if you have a family because you did the things that you did and you got killed. I remember when I was in a really bad position, I went home and my head was busted open and my friend, my best friend, he just beat my head in with the gun and I went home and my head was busted open and my grandfather called me. He said, what are you doing? You are stupid. You don't even have enough money to pay for your casket. You're going to leave us with all the debt from your funeral. And that right there stuck with me. So I knew it was either this or that at that point. And the, the most, the most breaking moment for me was when one night, like 15 minutes before lockup, I called my mom. I said, Hey, what's going on? And she said, they killed him. I said, they killed who? She said, they shot your brother. I said, what are you talking about? She said, yeah, they found Kenny. They, they shot him. He's found in the side uh, in the side of the truck, in the side of the road in his truck. They shot him twice in the head, in the back, and they ruled it as a suicide. They ruled it as a suicide. How you get shot back in the head twice, and they rule it as a suicide? My God. Wow. But that would be my, my advice to the youth is just, Stay on the correct path and 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 your your role model should be the people that that really love and care about you because it's easy to get distracted and just don't don't get fooled because it's it's really easy. Just know that everything isn't what you see isn't real. There's there's guts and glamour to everything. And people only want you to see what they want you to see. They only want you to hear what you want you to hear. It's easy to be misguided, but just try and stay on the right path, stay in school. That's really all that I can say. Thank you, Raheem. Thank you, Mr. Jonathan Rombot. Thank you, Julianne, for today's episode. And we pray that God bless you both and all your listeners. Thank you very much, guys. And and all our listeners. Thank you. God bless you. One love. And happy Black History Month. One love. And happy Valentine's <laughs> and family happy Valentine's Day. Day. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.